1: Arnie, good morning. Today we have some special programming.
0: As many
2: of our listeners know, uh, John Engen, long-term mayor of Missoula, died on August 15th. And we were lucky enough over the past uh, six years or so to have him on our show many times as a guest. And we're going to use the next couple of weeks to share with our listeners again the comments, thoughts,
1: and uh, life of uh, John Engen. This is Scott Richmond and Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie, good morning. And how
2: are you, Scott, after this
1: eventful week? I'm feeling good. I'm feisty. Feisty,
2: that's good. (laughs) It's good to be feisty. We're going to have the mayor on the show this week, and we'll be able to talk to him about uh, his uh, running for a fourth term. Yeah, And we'll also be able to uh, ask him about some of the things that uh, his opponent uh, brought up last week, Lisa Lisa Tripke, uh, about why she's running and her vision of the city. And and that'll all be very interesting. And we've had a a very highly visible week
1: here in Montana. I'm impressed, Arnie, that we are kind of at the center of where (laughs) the political elite meet
2: well for maybe for the wrong reasons you know i've said a long time we've tried to stay away from politics but it's clear that the sort of trump culture yeah has put civility and statesmanship in the back seat of uh, of the uh, american political vehicle you know there's this toxic, and this is my opinion you know so this toxic masculinity that has become pervasive since trump has encouraged you know, lots of folks to come out and and, uh, and be, um, you know, inappropriate in, in many instances. Right. You know, be misogynistic, you know, be, uh, uh, you know, homophobic. I mean, all those instincts that has never been once.
1: Islamophobic. Uh,
2: yeah, Islamophobic. Uh, um, there has not been one, curta- you know, instance that I can recall of the president speaking out and saying, that's enough. You know, this was all campaign talk and I got elected. Now let's curtail this and try to be one you know one country right. indivisible you know it's it's still the you know pushing of that this past week the president uh you know cr- you know chastised nato and said that germany was very very evil 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 for selling their cars in america and he's going to do something about it i mean he is really creating a new uh reality that is uh, that is not based on you know principles of diplomacy decorum right and uh, you know really statesmanship and it's and it's and it's very unsettling to a lot of people and this is not just a democratic or you know liberal issue this is a, this is an issue of governance and and Americans leadership in the world and trying to take on a position of moral a moral
1: compass and we've lost that somehow politics has become a blood sport
2: right you know a total blood sport you know we had that situation this past week in in um, here where uh, our uh, uh, candidate at the time for uh, for office, Geoforte, right. uh you know, body slammed a reporter, broke you know, his glasses, broke his glasses, uh, you know, and uh, you know, and and was found by you know the police department to uh, you know to be charged with a uh, misdemeanor assault, you know, which is unheard of in politics at this you know at this point in time. Right, I do have to say, historically, this is not. There have been times where this has come and. You know, waxed and waned in American politics. And a good friend of mine, uh, Larry Harrington, who is a former congressional staffer and a, uh, uh, a student of American history, reminded me today about Preston Billy Brooks. Who is he? Preston Billy Brooks. He was a U.S. congressman from South Carolina who, uh, on May 22nd of 1856, so this is a long time ago, <laughs> right? Right. This a hundred and uh, you know, hundred and seventy something years ago, um, was a states' right advocate and a slavery advocate, and was there was a congressional um, session going on, in which uh, a, a senator Charles Sumner uh, was speaking was an abolitionist and speaking out you know against slavery and uh, you know against states' rights and being one nation under God indivisible. Yes, and Preston went became this guy on the floor of the of the legislature to the point that uh, Sumner couldn't serve for 3 years it took him 3 years to recuperate from the beating that uh, bully brooks gave to him brooks then stepped down out of office to see whether what what the effect and his constituents reelected him to office after was, this, after, after this, that,
1: yes, after that incident. Why? Do, why was that?
2: Well, because they were they believed in states' rights and you know South Carolina and slavery, and they were opposed to the abolition. Right. It was a North South issue, just as you know we're, we're having to some extent now. I mean, there's there's great so resentment to Confederate you know monuments been taken down, and you know there there is uh, you know you know a lot of um, anxiousness, and I think some of it has to has to do very clearly with For better or worse, eight years of Obama um, presidency. Right. I think it created a tremendous amount of anxiety around for white middle class people in the country, particularly in the South and other places, more poorly educated whites, whites who were working class. Eight years of of the presidency uh, gave them great anxiety that their stature and status in the American hierarchy was under threat. Right. And uh, you know, reacted strongly to that. That wasn't the intention, but it was the unintended consequence of you know of a two-term black president in the United States creating tremendous anxiety. And Trump fed right into that anxiety. Not that we're going to talk to the mayor about that today, but I think given what's happened in this past week, and given you know some okay. of the things that are happening around the world, um, I think it's you know I think it's important to uh, to not forget the milieu in which we're operating in.
1: I agree. I look forward to it. I look forward to bringing Mayor Engen in. You are listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, proudly supported by Don Maddox, Glacier Sotheby's International Realty. Arnie and I will be back after this with Mayor Engen. We are back with Mayor Engen. Mayor,
2: welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's good to have you. Last week, as you probably know, we had Lisa Tripke on the show. She is an announced candidate for mayor and uh, talked about her vision for Missoula and why she was running for office. In fact, she said one of the reasons she was running was she heard you a couple of months earlier on our show <laughs> and that led to her so uh, I don't know if I want to uh, pat herself on the back or apologize to you, but she uh, said that listening to our show uh, encouraged her to uh, to run for office. So I thought what we do today is to kind of share some of the issues that she felt compelled her to enter the race against you and see uh, you know how you would respond to those questions that seem fair fair enough
1: even if it's not fair we're going to do it anyway and because you can color outside of the lines too by the way
2: that's right that's right. like that that's right so one of the things that's come up and we've talked about it on our shows before is is uh, mountain water and i think the issue that uh, she says that voters are concerned about uh you know it started out maybe as it uh, was going to be a a small number associated with it. I think she even threw out the number $800,000 at one time. And now I think next week we're going to settle for $96 million. So the question is, is that, if you knew that at the beginning, would you still have done the, uh, the acquisition Would the city still have moved in the direction it did and how it, uh, how it did? Absolutely. And, and that's the question
3: I've asked myself. Um, this has been a long, difficult, uh, challenging journey. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that uh, there w- there there would not be another opportunity for the city of Missoula, the only muni- municipality in the state of Montana that does not own and operate its water system to do so. What we're finding uh, nationally is that these utilities are cash cows. And so private investment right. groups from lots of other places uh, view these as cash cows. So right. they move in, they buy. They extract as much as they can in terms of profit. They don't reinvest in the systems. And ratepayers, taxpayers, citizens are left holding the bag for systems that become decrepit. Over the long haul, I think that uh, I will likely do nothing uh, more important in my career as mayor than the acquisition of this water company. And I'd do it again today. The notion that it was ever going to cost $800,000, that might... Have that, that might have been one of the estimates for legal bills acquisition costs. Uh, we blew through that very quickly. I mm-hmm. will own that all day long. Uh, the fact of the matter is that we had a giant hedge fund uh, opposite us, and uh, they made it their mission to make this as, as expensive a transaction as they possibly could. Um, that's not a reason to give up the fight. Right, That's not a reason not to pursue acquisition. And ultimately, the reason we're acquiring this utility is because we can charge less, reinvest in the system, and ensure that Missoulians have safe water so for are, a very are, long So are time.
2: water rates going to go down, or are they going to just be less than they would have been should, w- without the city involvement? Increases
3: will be less than they would have been, Right, and any increase right. that comes from rate goes directly into the system. So we operate We operate this as an enterprise fund much in the same way we operate the sewer system. So every nickel that goes into operating the water system um, goes into the, the salaries of employees, it goes into capital expenses. So we have got about a hundred million bucks worth of improvements, right. deferred maintenance in this system. Uh, ain't nobody gonna do that but the city of Missoula because Carlisle as you may remember right. had anticipated in front of their uh, in, in their rate case in front of the Montana Public Service Commission a 5% year over year rate increase and that wasn't to address uh, deferred maintenance in the system that was to ensure that investors were made rate uh, return rich
1: right is are, is there an example of the Carlisle group or others like that shutting down municipalities and like to your point, making it too expensive for them to pursue it, and are there examples of that you were looking at along the way and saying why Why did they fold? Or- sure, sure.
3: Uh, there, there are attorneys in the United States who uh, make a living by uh, defending uh, private utilities against condemnation actions, and in some cases, and in some jurisdictions, they're successful. Mm-hmm. It either gets too expensive, or frankly, they have they have. Courts and judicial systems in those jurisdictions that uh, that uh, don't view uh, the, the 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 essential necessity of water the way
2: Montana courts do. Right. right. So under your leadership, we've acquiring the water system that was mon, uh, Mountain Water. You've got into the composting business. There is now Missoula City Cemetery. There some. Voters out there that are saying this is city overreach, that the city's getting involved in private enterprise, and that was not the intention, you know, of uh, of city government. When How do you respond to that? So municipal government
3: does some things very well, and it does some things poorly. Uh, and in cases where there is opportunity to serve the public, where the private sector is not going to engage in a way that's going to Uh, meet those public needs, that's where we step in. So the case of EcoCompost, we had a, in this case, a willing seller uh, who was looking to get out of the business who had stopped making uh, uh, additional investment in that business. Um, There were odor issues. There were were fire issues. um, And we began a, a friendly dialogue about how we might be able to get into that business. Uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, composting is waste management and municipalities all around the country uh, deal in both solid and uh, and liquid waste. Uh, we have a wastewater utility here. We don't do solid waste. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that we can operate this facility at, at a nonprofit rate. Uh, and in doing so, we can improve the quality of the facility. We can... Improve municipal operations. We we make a lot of compost, right? We create yeah. a lot of waste. Yeah, of seventy thousand people create a lot of waste, right? Right. And so this is a way that uh, we extend the life of a landfill. We reuse the the, the raw materials that that come from uh, yard waste, and it mixes as it turns out really well with human waste. And we have been tipping over uh, uh <laughs> tons and tons of uh, human waste processed human waste uh that goes into this <laughs> composting utility and we've been paying roughly four hundred thousand dollars a year to tip that uh, stuff over the fence today we incorporate that into this operation and the community is better for it nobody was going to step in to do this there weren't people clamoring to buy eco compost mm-hmm. and right. operate
1: it yeah no our guest is mayor john Angen. you're listening to what do you know on news talk kgvo our proud sponsor or we were proudly sponsored by don maddox glacier sotheby's international realty arnie
2: so how come we're in the missoula city cemetery business uh
3: <laughs> we were in the cemetery business long before uh, anyone in this room walked the earth uh the ce- yeah the cemetery's been there forever and if you ever happen to step out there and look at some of those old headstones you'll note that um, they, they predate my tenure as mayor, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, there are a number of mayors buried out there. Uh, municipal cemeteries have been a thing for many communities for many years. It is, uh, it is far from a profit center. Uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, the city subsidizes that cemetery uh, uh, to the tune of roughly eight hundred thousand dollars a year, give or take. Wow, uh, that's certainly eight hundred thousand dollars a year that we could use elsewhere, but it turns out there aren't many buyers for cemeteries. Um, and we also, mean,
2: people c- are dying to get in. <laughs> Good
3: joke. <laughs> yeah, right. Ar- Ar- Arnie's here all week, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't don't oh, forget oh. your weight staff. Uh, <laughs> The, the uh, And the fact of the matter is that, uh, that citizens have a clear attachment, um, as you will see on Monday, to uh, this uh, cemetery. Uh, that cemetery will be highly decorated. There are lots of folks who visit the remains of their loved ones. Um, sure. There's considerable history out there. Uh, if someone said to me, why don't you start a cemetery today? My answer would be no.
2: Right. <laughs> Right, an above ground mausoleum, either. Sure. All right, the fam- the the the, uh, the tough issue that we all deal with is, which is potholes. What's the status of Missoula potholes? There's always, you know, grumblings, and you know, you've talked about that before. But we, uh, ha- are we improving? You know, we we are improving. We are. Uh, we had a tough winter. We did. In
3: in this mountain community, we are subject to weather. And, um, we could, we could, uh, reconstruct every street in the city of Missoula at, uh, an expense that would, uh, that would crush, uh, taxpayers and citizens. Um, and what we do instead of that is we do triage. So every year we have a, we have a street repair program, um, and we invest, you know, municipal budgeting is a, is a function of finding balance and, uh, we, we ensure that streets are safe and passable. Um, they are not always smooth and not always without inconvenience, but mm. we're filling, you know, we probably filled 600 potholes this year easily. Um, and unless we come up with a technology that allows us to uh, stop winter, um, completely seal roads, we're always going to have potholes. One of the things that we are doing is uh, as a function of uh, this budget year, we're doing a full streets inventory so that we have a plan for addressing uh, street needs. But I can tell you based on back of napkin estimates as we were at the legislature talking about infrastructure improvements uh, this session, we have probably an 80-year backlog of street repairs to do. We probably have funding for... 10 years of that so um Is we are right yeah i mean we're always going to be catching up uh more the more resources we invest in in street reconstruction the the more we get done
1: are there any other elements of the infrastructure of this town that have been neglected that we need to address in the coming in the next term right in the coming years right. because that's what people always get. They always feel like they're being caught off guard. I didn't know we needed that, but Hey, they didn't know they needed it because they didn't think about it.
2: Right. You're finishing up your third term, right? You're right. Running for a fourth term. What are those things that you want to accomplish during that fourth term? Well, in, in the large picture, um,
3: we can, we continue to have a,
2: uh,
3: a, a housing problem in Missoula. There are lots of folks who, a can't afford housing, um, be if they if they um, if they're in a position to buy a home they can't come up with a down down payment. There are folks who simply can't afford first and last month's rent. For me, this is largely an inventory problem. So we've been working with the Missoula organization of Realtors, Missoula Economic Partnership, uh, on a uh, an inventory, a study right. of what the market looks like, what the opportunities are. Um, I've had probably. Three fairly productive meetings with developers in the last three weeks um, about how we begin to significantly move the needle on affordable housing, and for me, affordable housing is um, is uh, it, it's soup to nuts. The inventory is uh, is low-income housing to to folks who are looking to. Uh, to, to purchase a, a single-family home on a big lot. We, we don't have enough of any of it. Right. And so addressing those inventory issues is critical.
2: But isn't the real issue, at least from my perspective, you know, how build, construction costs what construction costs. It's not going down. It's going up right. per square foot. I know that from the work that we're involved in outside of this, this studio. And our, you know, median income in Missoula is pretty flat. I mean, this year through this year, the median home price is two sixty five, and the median household income is forty three thousand dollars a year. You know, and there, that's that's a huge uh, issue to to overcome. So, what do we do about getting you know salaries and wages, uh, you know, up? So, so we
3: created in two thousand and ten at at sort of the, the the height of the recession for Missoula. Uh, we created the Missoula Economic Partnership. We put business leaders throughout the community together in a room. We uh, we created a strategy for uh, growing the economy, creating jobs, um, creating opportunities for people to create jobs, um, and really driving wage. and And our efforts have have concentrated on um, on uh, working with companies and creating opportunities for uh, jobs that we consider a living wage 15 Mm -hmm. bucks and better in missoula Uh, and we've had some success there are more people working today in missoula than have ever been working uh
2: there are some market pressures around wages as well the 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 well some companies want to move here because they can pay less than where they are I mean, that's reality.
3: Some do. Um, some also find that our regulatory environment is more attractive. Some find that uh, that our building environment is more attractive. Some find that our quality of life is more attractive. And if you can live anywhere, why not live here and, and do what you're doing? Um, I, I don't think there's a ton of negative wage pressure from folks coming in here because we're at a race to the bottom, right? We don't right. We don't incentivize people to come in, pay low wages, offer tax breaks. Uh, only to have the next community two years later say, I, I, I've got a better right. weed lot for you and I've got a better tax break for you and pack your bags and come see us. We don't engage in economic development that way. And I think the, the, the long-term uh, picture for Missoula, given the fact that we're one of the best cities in the country for entrepreneurs, we're one of the best cities in the country for tech startups, uh, the the future is bright. What, what isn't going to happen is, in my opinion, what's not going to happen is uh, we're not going to land a whale. Uh, Oracle isn't right. going to come here, uh, uh, nor is Cisco. But, mm. but these, these small shops that create a diverse economy and a wage base are going to make a, a more significant long-term and sustainable difference.
2: Right, sure. and this is not an uncommon problem in any community this size across the country. There, there are not many uncommon problems no, around the country. No, I was just in Santa Barbara, a city that's not much bigger than Missoula. It has you, you see Santa Barbara. The median home price is nine hundred thousand there. Right. The median wage is seventy or eighty thousand. I mean, it's, it's right. not an uncommon problem. Right. It's just that when you're living here, you know, you, you as you watch how ho, home and apartment rental prices keep going up, and wages really not keeping up with it, there is. The feeling that somebody pressure.
3: should do something about it absolutely and and that's why we do something about right it. that's that's why we're attempting to address uh, inventory and opportunity that's why we work pretty diligently with our partners in the private sector to ensure that missoula is right. a good place to do business that it's that, that you're not you're not bogged down in red tape that you're not uh, that you're not looking for quality employees um we 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 blew up the office of planning and grants after 30 years of criticism, right? Uh, to ensure that we had a development department that was all about facilitating quality development. And so, last year we had a record year in new development in the city of Missoula, and we're right. on track to beat that record. So with, this year.
1: so, with that development comes improvements to the infrastructure of the town, right? So that correct. What are those? Talk talk a little bit about that.
3: Well, so, so with almost with almost any project, um, whether whether it's greenfield development or or urban renewal Hmm. um, facilities are improved so whether it's streets sidewalks sewer water utilities um, the list goes on technology technology Technology. when we are when we are partners in projects through our urban renewal districts um, we tend to improve transportation systems we tend to create public spaces we tend to uh, operate in a way that's good for business and good for the public. and I don't think those two
2: are mutually exclusive. Well, let me get back to something we touched on earlier. We just finished up our uh, biennial legislative session. How do we fare in terms of what we need we needed from from the state?
3: So we do so we do a couple of things at every legislative session. One is we we endeavor to uh, to promote legislation that increases revenue sources for local governments and ensures, uh, uh, that, that local decisions are, uh, honored. And whenever possible, we make critical decisions about the way our community evolves locally. Uh, so a couple of, a, a couple of, uh, positive notes. One is that, um, city of Missoula and the league of cities and towns of which we're a part, uh, participated in what was called the infrastructure coalition. So this was a group of of uh, private and public sector folks who got together to, to make a fact-based and evidence-based case for infrastructure investment in the state of Montana. That coalition was successful in, uh, uh, passing a, uh, an eight cent gas tax in the state of Montana. First time it's been increased in decades. Uh, and that will go to roads. So the, so the, when we get back to the question of potholes, um, the only way the only way things uh, uh, improve dramatically is through new money, and there is new money now. So, so for fiscal year uh, 18, which we're budgeting for now, uh, that gas tax we estimate will deliver uh, another eight to nine hundred thousand dollars in uh, money that we can use to put directly on the street, and it's discrete. It's for mm. it's for that type of infrastructure.
2: And how much will the county get outside of? Yeah, Australia? I don't even
3: know the county's number. Right. Um, the and uh, next year we're projecting about 1.2 million of new money that's available for us to invest in transportation infrastructure. It's a big deal: roads and bridges. Right. Uh, so that was a that was a victory. Um, we didn't get a we didn't get an infrastructure bonding bill. Uh, that was a defeat. Uh, and. Uh, so there, there's a lot of work that does not get done around the state. Uh, there are a lot of people who don't get put to work, and there's a lot of infrastructure that doesn't get fixed or built. Mm. Um, we also, uh, during the course of the last session, uh, beat back attacks on what really is the single most powerful tool that that uh, cities and counties have in the state of Montana to drive economic development. That's tax, tax increment financing. That's the... That's the tool that will uh, help build the Riverfront Triangle. It's a tool that's helping build student housing downtown. It's a tool that will help uh, rebuild on the side of the mercantile. It's the tool that we use to uh, to uh, revitalize what's now called South Crossing, where the old Kmart was. Mm. Um, it's the tool that we'll use uh, as we work with uh, consumer as we've worked with Consumer Direct, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a pretty spectacular building in and in a, in a really interesting business that employs hundreds of folks here in Missoula and it's a healthcare, it's around, home healthcare, and mm-hmm.
2: thousands around the country they've elected to have their headquarters in Missoula, here
3: in Missoula. Yeah. Right, right.
2: Uh, you touched on the university. Let's get back to. The, I'd like to focus in on that a little. We have declining enrollment. Which puts some pressure on student housing and other housing in the area, and revenue to uh, merchants in town. Uh, it's the fate of this city and the university system is, you know, interwoven. You, you can't deny you know, can't deny the the uh, yin and yang of all of that. What can the city do to be, uh, you know, proactive in in increasing the viability of Missoula as a university town? Yeah. So 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 not
3: only do we do we. Do we not deny that relationship? Um, I think it's incumbent upon us to embrace it. I think we've we've done a good job of that over the years. So uh, we continue to work uh, hand in glove with the university um, on on programs ranging from uh, our work with Missoula College, which is also in a redevelopment district, uh, to uh, having conversations with uh the the new uh, vice president for enrollment tom crady about uh, how we recruit and attract students how we ensure that um, that this is a safe and interesting community for them and we've begun preliminary conversations about how we can make a two-year college which is a stepping stone to the university of montana attainable for every citizen and the, the, the more we can fill that enrollment pipeline, I think the better off we'll be. So those conversations are are ongoing. We also have conversations about uh, things as simple as transportation, things as uh, complex as sexual assault, uh, <clears throat> and uh, the, those relationships can only grow. I, I uh, have the good fortune of being on a search committee for the new University of Montana president. Uh, my hope is that is that uh, whoever finds themselves in what I think is um, a challenging but incredibly cool job filled with opportunities um, embraces the relationship that exists and works to, to further that relationship. There is so much that we can do together, uh, ranging from planning, you know, the, the, the constraints of the university campus. Um, and
2: it's, once, it's only 225 acres and you've got a mountain in the way. And we have some,
3: and we have some invisible lines there, right? Right. We, right? We we have folks we have folks who aren't necessarily crossing Arthur either way, right? Or crossing the river either way, right. And and really the the assets and the talent of the University of Montana, I, I want those folks out in our community making lives better, uh, and in doing so they they uh, are
1: enriched themselves. Let's do a quick ID. Our guest is Mayor John Angen. You are listening to What Do You Know? Are proudly supported by. Don Maddox, Glacier Sotheby's International Realty.
2: So, you have some things that hamstring you in terms of budgetary control or constraints. Yep. You have, um, you know, union contracts for raises. I w- I w- I was startled actually to find, and I'm, this may be wrong, and you can correct me, that uh, the average wage of a patrolman on the street here is ten or twelve thousand dollars less than it is in Bozeman and billings
3: yeah, that that gap should actually be a lot closer. Um, we're, we're actually closer to the top of the market now. So when I, when I was first elected, uh, and began serving in 2006, our officers were among the lowest paid. Right. And at that time, uh, uh, we, we were basically investing in a training program. We were subsidizing a training program mm-hmm. for officers to go to other cities. across the street yeah. or to other cities. Right. And, and so we were very aggressive, uh, we we uh we we negotiated a contract with the police association that allowed for us to to get to a to a market rate uh so today when when we do recruitment we have we have pools of qualified candidates um and we have folks who want to stick around and uh, it it takes three or five years to to become kind of seasoned and comfortable as a right as a as a do patrol we have officer,
1: po- do we have enough on the people on the street, young you know, men and women in the patrol force on the street? You know, we can
3: always have more, but right. again, my job is about striking a balance. So today we have uh, just north of 100 sworn officers who serve the community. Uh, we operate in shifts 24 7, 365 days a year, um, and we're always looking at, at ways to improve uh, the effectiveness of our officers on the street. Through training, through technology, um, you know, and, and that for facilities. a town of
2: seventy thousand, that might sound enough. Except when there's a Grizz football game, a concert going on in town, yeah. the you know, a festival somewhere, the right. testicle Festival going on. It's a pretty, it, it, it's it's uh, a pretty thin cadre at that on a day like that. <laughs> well, it's a and, special day, yeah, yeah and, it's a and, special day, yeah, and and for
3: us, you know, so 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 we so we, re, we refer to the the run of the mill. Um, I dial 911 because I have an issue. That's a call for service, right? So so our our calls for service increase year over year. Um, Interestingly, uh, crime um, per se, violent crime in particular, kind of generally flat in Missoula, Uh but calls for service. It's, you know, somebody's speeding, somebody's, you know, uh, some meth addicts sleeping right. in a car Have outside the neighborhood disputes, so all that huh. stuff.
1: Or how about, but now, but look at, how about things like the opioid uh, epidemic, right? That's going every town, everywhere. Right. You know, how does that impact us? Like what's happening here and what are we doing to kind of address that? Oh, it's, it, so it's a big deal.
3: And um, addiction in general is a big deal. Right. Um, opioids are certainly a thing. Heroin is a thing in Missoula. <clears throat> Um, and you know, because I work every day with police officers, um, those folks, the, kind of the dark underbelly of Missoula, the stuff that you and I don't generally see. There are a lot of people suffering out there. Um, they have friends and family who are suffering as a function of those addictions. Um, and there are folks who are profiting from those addictions. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, the problem at some level, like, many problems that we deal with as a nation and as a state and as a city uh, can seem intractable, but we have, I think opportunities on the enforcement side. So we participate in, in a, uh, in a local task force, along with Missoula County, uh, the state and the feds uh, around drug trafficking. Um, Those officers are, are committed to those efforts. Um, And occasionally we catch somebody who's who's bringing the stuff into the community in volume, right? Yeah, and so there's an availability piece that that's an issue, um, but there's also a treatment piece that's an issue. There's Absolutely. a there's, you know, there are a lot of folks who don't wake up one day and say, "Boy, I want to be an addict Add- in the world. Right. I State. really need some heroin today." Right, right. Yeah. It's um, so. So what we need to do in the community and what we try to do in this community is, is address causes and um, those causes range from uh, something as simple as uh, a kid who isn't getting loved or touched in a home uh, to a kid who's getting abused to a kid who doesn't have a place to sleep. Right. And uh, we need to address those fundamental issues as well as deal with the enforcement side. And you see the enforcement side. Um, the stories of untreated addicts do not end well, right? No,
2: they don't. Let Me, bring up the issue of uh, of homelessness. We we you know we we are one of the cities in Montana that sit right by an interstate, and that's a good feeder for you know homeless people or or uh, you know folks that want just want to uh, hop off and somebody drops them here. And they, what is it, what is the status of homelessness in Missoula? So, is it growing? Is it, uh, is it controllable? Is
3: Poverello so, center enough? Yeah. So, so like everywhere, uh, homelessness is on the rise because of poverty and addiction. And, um, and again, we, you know, these, these seemingly, seemingly unsolvable social problems, um, have some solutions and we, we steal ideas from other communities. I got no problem with that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and what we've seen in places like Salt Lake City, for example, um, where uh, the, the community has invested in facilities that house people no matter their circumstance, right? So, so housing, housing does not need to be uh, for everyone, does not need to be, you know, a, a 2,500 square foot house, uh, a rancher on a 10,000 square foot lot. For some folks, it's single-room occupancy, but they're no longer sleeping on the street. And when you're not sleeping on the street, there's some stuff that starts to happen to your life, right? Right. You, A, don't have to figure out where you're going to sleep every night. You're not necessarily subject to, to violence. You're not That's necessarily right. subject to the whims of weather. Uh, and so what Salt Lake has done is figured out a way to house people first and then start to deal with the other issues that they're dealing with. It's really hard to fix somebody if they don't have someplace to stable to live. Right.
2: They're, you know, the Maslow-Hariarchy of needs. I mean, their basic needs aren't being met, and they got, they have to deal with that before they can deal with anything else. And right. it so, also leads to petty theft and all those other sorts of things.
3: Yeah, so what we so what we have done is created a, a 10-year plan to end homelessness. Shocking that we haven't solved it six years right. into it. But it's important um, for a
2: town like Missoula because we're a tourist destination, and nobody feels... Particularly She's comfortable safe. if are right. 40 people wandering around downtown panhandling for money.
3: How, however, I will tell you that uh, having spent uh, uh, three days in Seattle last week, yeah, worse. Yeah, it it's it's not just here. No, and it's and the, so the issue becomes: um, do we do we throw our hands up and say it ain't fixable, so we ain't going to try? We are all about trying. Right. And you can't
2: just lock them up in jail.
3: Right. Well, and and frankly, our options today are jail or the or the emergency room, and both of those are far more expensive than sure, right. trying to address sure. housing
1: first. You bring up a good point, Arnie. We have tourism is a big business for us. It's only getting more important. Recreation. We have riches here right with respect mm-hmm. to recreation mm-hmm. one of the things i'm curious about is the river because um the river is just such is the lifeblood is an artery for a, a, a major metropolitan area and i i seem to my feeling is is that it may not it's it's been neglected a little bit it has not necessarily um we, we don't have a river walk like they do in no Austin, we haven't you but, know, in san antonio right but everywhere that you and i have been and you've been john uh, john You know that the river is the the lifeblood, if you will, of the city. What are we doing to kind of make improvements there and address that?
3: Sure. So I I will tell you in my 57th year living in, or 52nd rather, wow. (laughs) Wow. You've (laughs) aged yourself. In my 52nd year living here in Missoula, uh, the river has always been an artery, but for a long time it was an artery clogged with plaque, right? Right. Um, and, and only by virtue of the work that people have done over the last three, four decades um, has the riverfront improved to the degree that it has. So uh, when I was a kid, there were no trails along the riverfront. Um, every building turned its back to the riverfront. Um, if you were fishing in the Clark Fork River in downtown Missoula, you were a fool right. um, because there was no reason to be doing that. Uh, so, so through the good work of a lot of people, uh, the riverfront is really, um, uh, uh, we, we consider it a destination. We also consider it, uh, a focal point for development and for public spaces. So, uh, you can walk along the banks of the Clark Fork river today, ride your bike, go to Silver Park, roll in your wheelchair, and you don't need to, you don't need to touch a public street for a long way to do mm-hmm. that. Right. Um, we continue to look at uh, at um, a, r- a river that can be loved a bit too much. Uh, so we have you know rogue river access um, you know the, the river through, through downtown Missoula is is not the meandering channel that right. that nature created it's uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, by, it's it's constrained by it's constrained by levees all day long right. Right. and you'll see some places where those levees are, Our old concrete riprap that's been, you know, we we used to treat the river like a dump. So we've made a lot of progress. There's more progress to be made. And there are Um, some plans to put restaurants over the next few years along the river. And So so our riverfront trail system will continue to expand. Anywhere you see a surface parking lot along the banks of the Clark Fork River is a prime opportunity for redevelopment. We continue to talk about that. Um, the, the riverfront is a, is a much nicer place than it was when I was a kid. And it just
2: gets
1: better. And clean water, I think is also Right. Absolutely.
3: Exactly.
2: So we, we mentioned earlier, you're, you're, uh, running for a fourth term.
1: I am. indeed. you are? Yes.
2: Lisa Tripke, <laughs> uh, on the show last week said, uh, she was going to be an advocate for term limits to, you know, two, four year terms. And she said, if she was elected, she would not serve more than two terms. What's your thoughts on term limits for, uh, for mayor?
3: Uh, we have them, right? Right, um, and it's a pretty simple program. Uh, it's I know uh, where you go. I I wear the voters out, or uh, or they wear me out, right. and uh, so we have seen the we have seen the the consequences of term limits in the state legislature. Every uh, every session, uh, a ton of those people have to be completely educated in what goes on and how to govern um there is something to be said for experience i don't you know this mayor for life business is is not uh i i don't intend to be mayor for life i intend to be mayor as long as i have fire in the belly for the job vision i'm competent and voters agree with that um i am glad that uh, voters have a choice here mm-hmm. and um, I get to I get to discuss my record the work that I have done with a team of remarkably talented folks and committed citizens I am uh, I'm happy to talk about my vision for the future a place where uh, where commerce can thrive because we invest in right. infrastructure both green and concrete where we <clears throat> pardon me where we work together to solve these problems that we sometimes describe as intractable. Um, so during the course of my service as mayor, uh, it's the stuff that you don't know that's coming that uh, that puts you to the test. Sure. Um, I had zero intention of uh, attempting to acquire a water company, but opportunity presented itself, and it mm-hmm. was an opportunity that uh, that a responsible person could not pass up. Uh, when when I was negotiating with the U.S. Department of Justice around a civil rights complaint, um, we, we could have done one of two things. We could have said, uh, we have no problems here, and uh, you go ahead and take us to court, and we could have been in the position that other communities uh, under similar circumstances found themselves, which is under a consent decree, that was enormously expensive and had social costs for the community or we could reach an agreement that made us better and sure. that's what we did. Um, this is a place where people are committed, they're passionate and they want more and so part of my job is to understand how we, how we make more things happen, how we meet as many interests as we possibly can while continuing to do the nuts and bolts stuff that sure. we
2: do every day. Let me ask you a, a bigger picture question. You have 12 city council members. You have advisory boards and commissions. You have a city manager. You have voters out there. You have 500 or 600 employees, hundreds, you know, uh, officers. You, you have a big, yes, public safety. You know, what do you think your strength is in, Oh, you know orchestrating this you're the you're the maestro of all of this what do you think your strength is and what do you think is the area that you, that you find the most challenging so
3: this job is fundamentally about leadership and vision and um, and risk-taking uh, and deciding things uh, and fundamentally sometimes you're right even when uh, when popular opinion in the beginning suggests you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, there have been a number of cases where we've had to sort through that. And at the end of the day, you have to be committed to principle and you have to be committed to vision uh, because otherwise nothing will change. Um, you know, if, if if I were to, if I were to, to, to judge the, the state of our community by the comments we receive on Monday evenings at council meetings, I think we lived in a fairly terrible place. Right, Uh, but the fact of the matter is that uh, uh, when i visit with the with the the fisheries convention that's in the the biologist convention that's in missoula today and they're out for the fun run they are grooving on that right Um, they're here for a reason and they recognize the value of the community one of the things that can happen to us is is uh, we forget how good we have it i remind myself pretty regularly that probably 99% of the world's population would love to live in Missoula, Montana. Right. Uh, And I, I take that responsibility for being a steward uh, pretty seriously. How do you
1: juggle the interests of the citizens of the the folks at the city at the council meetings on Monday nights and some of the bigger private companies that make Missoula their home and their interests like the Washington company or the hospital or the The university? university. Well, Because they sometimes are diametrically opposed. Well, yeah,
3: oddly oddly enough, um, we find so many things in common in terms of the way we work together. So, for example, um, over the course of a a fairly long and quiet uh, negotiation, uh, we purchased a piece of property from Montana Rail Link, a Washington Corporation subsidiary, um, that will become a neighborhood park and be redeveloped. We hope over time into housing and mixed use and commercial. And this is a this is a a lot that that needed redevelopment. And and you know I, I have a terrific relationship with the folks at the Washington Corporation. And uh, because we can talk, and because they have um, they've seen me be reasonable, they've seen me. Uh, actually, uh, mm-hmm. do the things that I've said I would do. Um, they've they've seen me uh, uh, recognize that these are partnerships and not handouts. The, that that level of trust and credibility allows us to get mm-hmm. stuff done. Right. So we can work with these large institutions all day long to accomplish
2: things because we've established a level of trust sure. and credibility. You, well, one that, of the other things that you hear. You know, on, on a regular basis, it was brought up last week as the issue
1: of transparency. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mayor Engen. It's always a pleasure to
2: have you here and give us a, a big picture look at uh, things. We'd like to have you come back on again as we get further into the uh, election season and, and uh, query you on uh, on more specifics. Happy to do it. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. I always enjoy this coming. As do we. Thank you. See you next week. See party. you next week,
1: Scott. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO, AM 1290, 1015 FM, and newstalkkgvo.com.